Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few podcast. My name is Mason Stewart and I'll be your host for another Premier League show. Uh, absolutely delighted to not be talking about anything Rangers this week. So this is a nice little, um, you know, something else. Uh, but with me tonight, we've got Mr. Jamie Rawls. How are you, mate? I'm all right, man. Thank you. Good How are man. you feeling after the weekend? You feeling good? You're going to be okay with us? Uh, do you know what? It's it's uh, still sore. It's going to be sore. Oh. For, <laughs> it's going to be sore for, for a little while. Um, but uh, talking about another league and, and something that doesn't involve it helps uh, <laughs> a lot, mate. Put it that way. Something that I can just be neutral in uh, is very nice. Um, but but Jamie, let, let's let's get right right to it. Um, as always, there's a lot to talk about with the. No, big, big lead down here. Um, we're going to start with Spurs uh, beating Chelsea 2-0. Um, wasn't surprised by this one, even though Spurs have been very um, up and down this season. Obviously, Conte's not been there as well. Um, I believe he's, he's still in Italy at the moment. But um, more uh, on his opposite number, uh, Graham Potter. He is in big, big trouble. Um, every time I watch Chelsea at the minute, I'm kind of watching them go in what's their style of play you know what's their identity because he definitely had one at brighton but watching him at the watching him at the minute is has been a been a hard hard watch um yeah. what's your thoughts firstly on on chelsea at the minute yeah um totally agree i think going into the game um like you i, I had no confidence that chelsea were actually going to get anything from the game um which um is kind of unheard of when you think about those kind of derbies um the rumblings are starting to kind of get a bit louder now. You can see with the press conferences that Graham Potter's probably been a bit more standoffish with the the press. He's he's probably not been as as um, as as nice to them as what he did when he probably first went in. Um, and you can see the stress is obviously starting to settle in. Um, there was reports today that um, apparently the next two games are do or die for him, and I think his next two games are Leeds and Dortmund, the second leg, so two big games for them. Um, I'd be surprised if they pulled the pin that quickly. However, if they don't win those games, I wouldn't be surprised because how how long can 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 you survive on on those kind of stats? Um, the, the the most glaring stat that probably stands out for me at the moment. Um, with the array of talent that they've brought in the least in the last window, they've scored four goals in the last 11 games and only won two in the last 15. That's crazy. That's that's Chelsea we're talking about. Four goals in the last 11 games and only won two in the last 15. That's relegation form. In that same time window, they are the lowest scoring team out of the whole of the Premier League. If you, we're talking about we're talking about other teams that are struggling because they don't have strikers, and then where they're going to get the goals from. Chelsea are performing arguably worse at the moment, um, and today's news means that they're going to get a bit worse for them because Thiago Silva looks to be out for a big period of time now as well. So um, it doesn't look as though it's going to get any better anytime soon. The one thing that um, does stand out is that he, he tinkered again with the team. He's, he's tinkering every single time. And I don't know whether he's, he's meaning to or whether he's forced to because he's got injuries and we just start hearing about them. But when you think of Mudrick starting on the bench, um, 
Havertz, Wimsel, I mean, Havertz is hardly a great goal scorer and is probably not doing as much up top as somebody like, say, for example, Jean Felix. Jean Felix is still on all the headlights at the moment. Mudrick's not getting a shout. Aubameyang was brought on in like the 86th minute. Like, what's he meant to do on those kind of games? It just seems it just seems like the the writing's on the wall a little bit at the moment for Graham Potter. And I feel sorry for him because actually it does seem to be a good manager. It's got a great pedigree. Um it's just sometimes you can't ignore these kind of signs. No, I think I think you're absolutely spot on. And I think as you say, the the mad thing is the amount of money they've spent um and the players that they've brought in, but they haven't gone and won a game yet. Um, since since they've come in, and I think it's a case for Potter is probably his dream job, but yeah. at the wrong time. That, that's the kind of way I look at the moment. The do do we say that about? Do we say that about all Chelsea managers though? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it just looks to me. I think, I think, I think. You know, those, no disrespect to Potter, but I don't think he's got he's got the character that Chelsea need at the minute. He came into an interview the other day and he said that um, he said. You know, he was late for for the media press conference, and he said he, he made a joke and said, uh, "Sorry, I was in a crisis meeting." Do you know, you just think you're you're banging trouble. Pen drop, yeah, yeah pen drop. You're banging yeah. trouble. Um, you know, yeah, the Chelsea fans that I sort of you know know, and my brothers that you know follows Chelsea, he, they can't wait for him to go. I think that they they're counting down the days. So uh, I agree with you. Even if he does win a couple, I think it's just gonna it's gonna be inevitable. Yeah. The the one I've seen today as well is that um, apparently the, a petition has been put together for the second of Graham Potter and it's already hit 47,000 signatures. Apparently it needs to be get 75,000 before it goes to Parliament and somebody has to talk about it in the Parliament. <laughs> like the madness of football, but the fact that 47,000 fans have probably signed it already doesn't scream great. <laughs> yeah, that, that's coming. That By tomorrow, that'll be uh, 100,000. Um, but, but, but Jamie on Spurs, obviously big, you know London, London derby. Yeah. Uh, they don't like each other, um, and, and Spurs, you know, managing to get a win. That to be fair, they're they're up and they've been so up and down. But you know that was a big result for them. That keeps them obviously on, on course for, for top four. Um, yeah. Oliver Skip scored the first one. It was an absolute peach. To be fair, not a, not a big fan of Skip. I don't think that he's. If Tottenham want to get to where they get to, I don't see him being a big part and obviously Harry Kane. But on the Tottenham side of things, how did you think that they fared on, on Sunday? Yeah, I think um, Tottenham have got a bit more consistency about them. The one thing that was probably up in the air is how would they react after losing Bentancur? Because he's obviously a big part of their midfield. And we also talked recently about him, how him and Hoiberg have been kind of setting the tone and the pace. With him missing in such a big derby, you were thinking, how is Skip going to handle this? And, um, you know, he, he relatively did okay. Um I was fully confident before the game that Spurs will win it. Um, it sounds Lucas, but because Conte wasn't there, we've made the joke for a couple of weeks that Conte probably needs to stay away. Um, but they're starting to put wins in again now, so uh, I, I don't know if they'll be rushing for him to come back from Italy. Um, there was talk, apparently, he's going to be back in time for the Arsenal game, I think. Um, so I don't know if that's just Juno's just kind of trying to put a timeline together. But, uh, yeah, the assistants kind of... He's, he's, they're obviously responding to him. He's getting he's getting performances out of them, um, which is obviously what they need. Yeah, no, no, definitely a bit of consistency for Spurs, and I think that it'll be hard to sort of budge from 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 that top four. But then it's you know it's so up and down at the moment. You know you you might mm-hmm. change all the time. But you know moving on to their um, London rivals, as you just mentioned, Arsenal. There, Jamie, they 
big win for them. They won 1-0 on Saturday away at Leicester, who, to be fair, looked like they turned at a sort of corner in recent weeks. But um, big win for Arsenal. I didn't actually realise they've won, they've won 10 of the last 13 away games in the Premier League. That's, that's to be fair, that's champion, champions yeah. in Brighton, isn't it? That away from yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's. I remember when Liverpool won the league, and people were saying, "It's not the big games you need to win; it's these gritty one nilers that you need to get across the line." That's exactly what Arsenal did on on at the weekend. Um, fully expected them to win, but it was not going to be a three nil or four nil kind of game um, because, you know, Arsenal are going to naturally slow down to some point. Um, I think it was a big call from uh, Michael Arteta to drop Eddie Nketiah um, because he's obviously been the standout striker for them since Jesus has been injured. He's probably made a couple of mistakes recently, but what he actually did do is he took him at the firing line and brought in Trossard, um, and Trossard was outstanding. Um, from the from the highlights that i seen, he scored a goal, had it chopped off, um, which was ludicrous in my opinion uh, for a Ben White tug, which I don't think was a tug, um, but he also set up the goal for Martinelli. Um, Martinelli seems to um, have found his shooting boots again recently because he's kind of not went off the boil, but he's not been getting as many goals as he did at the beginning of the start, at the start of the season. But for me, watching Saka play, like it's wow. scary to think how young this lad is. Do you know what I mean? Like the career he's had so far, I think he's he's massive for England going forward in the future. Um, he gets on everything, and he just he, if he plays well, Arsenal tend to play really, really good. Um, so it's no it's no surprise that the two are going hand in hand and uh, Arsenal, sorry, are just chipping away at these teams and, and getting three points in. Just really interesting one. It was one that I see today on Twitter, and it said that if, obviously if Arsenal keep going um, and Saka keep performing the way he is, he'll be. He'll get Premier League sort of Player of the Year. Player of the Year. Um, what, what's the thoughts on that? I would love to say yes because I always, I always like to see um, other players always win it. However, how can anybody argue with the amount of goals that Haaland has scored? He's realistically still probably got about another ten goals in him, which means he breaks records. As much as I would say Saka's a better all-round player for me. The, vote, the way the voting goes, it'll always be Haaland. There's not many players I can think of that have hit the floor as running as he has. Yeah, It's mad to think that some people are saying, I remember a couple of weeks ago, some people saying, oh, maybe maybe stick Haaland on the bench for a game. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> it's absolutely mental for the stats. So I would love to say Saka. Saka's my type of player um, more than a, than a Haaland is, as much as I respect it. But the, the votes are always going to go in Haaland's favour. Yeah, it's just just want to see it on Twitter today. There's obviously yeah. a lot of noise around it, but there is so many games to be played, and um, you know, I think I think that I still wouldn't be surprised to see City uh, pip Arsenal, but you know, there's a long, long way to go. Yeah, I would say even if City finish second, I still think Haaland gets Player of the Season just because of the impact and the favoritism that's going to go around about it. Um, it's just the way the, the the true winner never normally wins, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, 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 that, that's it. It, it. It's going to be one of the, it's going to ping off a big debate if they don't win the league. And uh, yeah. it's always, you know, the same with the, um, the uh, you know, when they, they did the European one, it's who won the Champions League, who won this, who won that, instead of sometimes just going, who was the best player in the tournament? Do you know what I mean? So that it will be an interesting one. Um, but, but Jamie, just to sort of, you know, on that game, Leicester, um, they had one shot on goal the whole game. I think they, you know, watching it back, they were really, really poor. Um, 
why are they so inconsistent? It just seems that they have a couple of good results and they drop back into that, um, you know, for a few games and then they get a good... It's just like a sort of ongoing thing they've had all season under, under Brendan Rodgers. So I would say the most obvious difference was no Madison. When Madison doesn't play... They don't play well, in my opinion. When Madison plays, you go back to a couple of weeks when they when they absolutely turned Tottenham over. It was a Madison show. Um, so Madison was missing at the weekend. I think he'd. Uh, I'm not sure if he took a knock or if he was just unwell, but yeah, I was no. I wasn't surprised that Leicester didn't perform as a result of it because he makes them tick, and that's why it's going to be a massive summer for Madison and Leicester going. You know, at the end of the year. Well, well, not just obviously James Madison. You've got. Um... Tillemans that they're still that's going to leave yeah. on a three, but just yeah. on Madison, obviously with him being English as well, where do you? I, I had this debate the other day with my cousin. Where do you see Madison if he was to leave Leicester? What Premier League club do you see him New, going? Newcastle to? all day long. Newcastle, yeah, yeah. There was there was rumblings at the beginning of the season that Newcastle um, had had an offer rejected for roughly about eighty million pound, um, and the talk was that they weren't looking to accept that because they just accepted the eighty five for Wesley Fofana. Um, they needed to balance the books a little bit, and they didn't want to lose two of the starlets in the one window. So I would fully expect somebody to come back around again in this in the in the summer for a sixty to eighty million offer. Um, you know, is he worth that? Potentially not, but he's a British tax. We've already had those conversations. There's a tax on English players, especially if they stay within England themselves. Um, I do rate Madison. I think he would do a job at a team like an Arsenal. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that, that kind of link-up midfielder. Um, I, think, I think on his day, he's brilliant. He's uh, he, loves a, he loves a dead ball. He loves playmaking. And, and you know what? He's one of these players that has always got a smile on his face as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether it's a bit of I think it's more of a swagger than a smile. Yeah. Probably the best way to put it. Um, but I think, see, for a team like Newcastle, those are the kind of signings that I would anticipate them to go out and start doing. Not a killing Mbappe for £200 million. Pound. Yeah. It's probably going to be more of a, your Madisons and stuff to kind of bulk, bulk out their midfield a little bit and, and knock them on another level. I think, I think you, you're absolutely spot on with Newcastle. Um I think Madison would be a really, really good sign of him. But I also think Spurs as well. Um, the only thing is with Spurs, I just don't see them paying the money that Leicester would want. I think no. Newcastle would. Um, not, without but, selling, not without selling Kane. No. They, would, they no. won't do that. But, but as you say, he's got he's got an arrogance about him, James Madison. I think yeah. was it, I listened to an interview with uh, Kenny McLean um, a little while ago. Um, that obviously they both played together at Aberdeen. Um, mm -hmm. and he said even at 18, 19, he said he was so arrogant uh, <laughs> and he, he fancied himself but the best players do you know it's, yeah. as frustrating it is he's probably a, co a cocky young english kid going up to uh aberdeen and thinking oh this i'm gonna take the piss here and uh but see, yeah. see see when they see when they produce results nobody moans about it yeah the only moan about it if you're cocky and arrogance naturally you do fuck all yeah you don't back it up mm. no absolutely but it will definitely be be one to watch um this summer um and, and, and it'd be interesting to see what how Leicester respond as well too because I yeah. don't think they'll go down they're, they're in they're in no you know they'll definitely stay up but uh how they replace them too is gonna be you know I, I don't know how they're gonna do it so that'd be one to watch but um I think uh they're currently losing 2-0 at home to against Blackburn in the FA Cup so you know again not it's not all song and a dance and the inconsistency still there for Leicester oh definitely considering um that they've not got a lot to play for now as well because yeah, uh, they're not yeah. going to get European places. So, <clears throat> so they can't get in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. Yeah, two of them down at home. 
Yeah, uh, the calls for, for Rogers could come uh, again soon. Um, but, but Damien, moving on to to your own team, uh, Liverpool. That was the um, late late game on, on Saturday night. Um, yep. It was uh, obviously a poor week with the the Real Madrid performance, which started thought you started really really well in that one. Um, but then um, the game against Palace. If I'm sort of being honest, I think in the end, I think you was probably fortunate to get away with a point. Um, considering if you're just going off the, the chances that, that Palace had. Um, but I didn't actually realise it was the, the first time that Liverpool failed to win away at Palace since uh, the 2014-15 season, which um, am I right in saying it was the three-all game where Dwight Gale scored a couple? Christian Bull, as, as it was christened, yeah. because of the comeback. Um, it was also the first time that Palace have kept a clean sheet against Liverpool uh, for 18 years. Really? That's they, we're, we're breaking our own records this season, um, and not the good ones. Um, you know, the, the performance was the only positive to take away from the performance was it was a clean sheet, and yeah. that's a shit. That's a shit one to take away. But when you look at go back three weeks ago, we were losing three 0 away to West F Wolves. The 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 the, the the block at the back needed to improve, you know, that defensive block. It was very sketchy at times. And I think the perfect example of that, for anybody that watched the game, we absolutely dominated the game up until the 23rd minute. Then Trent tried to play a pass back and it went straight along the back line and they had a chance and they hit the ball. The moment that happened, everybody just sat, sits on edge and goes, what the fuck just happened there? That, well, that, we didn't see that happening. Then they made about another three three similar issues throughout the half when it was just letting them in. We still had our chances. Um, Mo Salah had a good chance. Um, I think Jota hit the post um, with a looping header at the very end of the first half. So, you know, we're still creating. But in the second half, the midfield was just literally gone. Um, it was the game bypassed them. Um, Trent was hooked after about 70 minutes. Um, Matip was was another one. Fabinho came on and got a yellow card within about a minute of him coming on. It's just there's just so many issues right now that it just doesn't look great at all. Um, there was, you know, as I said, you've got the Crystal Palace start. That I was I was I was having a look earlier, and there's actually there was there was a damning start that in this year, Liverpool have only scored one goal past the 59th minute. That's not Liverpool. When you think about the strikers we have and the chances we create, we've not scored a goal since, I think it was Stefan Bietic, um, and I think it was against Wolves. Um, we won 3-1. Um, Stefan Bietic scored in the 86th minute. Before then, Mo Salah scored on the 59th minute around about the end of November. So that means we've scored one goal after 60 minutes, just in the, in the, in the lead-up to the World Cup to now. That's not the way we normally play football. Liverpool are normally explosive at the start. They then let teams back into it, and then they explosive again at the end. Somewhere along the line, this is this, the team's completely out of sync. The one thing I am positive about, we have options. You know, for every Gakpo, Salah and Darwin that starts the game, we've got Jota and Bobby Firmino coming off the bench. Go back six, eight weeks ago, we didn't have these options, and that was very worrying because when games went stale, we didn't have those chances. We do have those chances now. We just now have the same issue, but in midfield. When the midfield starts getting a bit lethargic and stagnated, you're looking at people like Alex Oxley chamberlain to come in and try and make a difference. 
it's just not good enough at the moment where we're at. I think Klopp's very open about this at the moment. He just needs the season to be undone. Yeah. He just needs the season to be done so he can kind of shut up shop, strip everything out that he wants to, bring in who he wants to, and go again. And I think he'll get that time. The, the, the rumblings that are happening right now is is more about what money's being made available for him. There's about four midfielders that are high on the priority list that have been talked about. There's actually one defender and three, three midfielders are the very, very concrete ones that we're hearing right now. So um, fingers crossed they do plug that gap for us. I, th- I think there'll be definite big changes for, for Liverpool in the summer. And I think, again, every football club goes through this at some point, yeah. that that rebuild. Um, you know, my own football club hasn't done it. Um, they've delayed it um, for years and, and now it's biting us in the, in the backside. But I think, obviously, maybe Liverpool have as well to a certain extent. Maybe, you know, the summer and the summer before, there was a few players they could have traded in. And um, But the problem you've got is, you know, Oxlade-Chamberlain, obviously one just, for instance, been injured. Yeah. And he's on a long contract. You can't get rid of them. You can't just pay these players off. So it's a case of just getting it down to where you can you can at least, you know, get to a point where you can get rid of them. Well, Ox, the, the, the talk is, is that, so Kate has not signed a contract that stepped away from the table that is up at the end of the season. The talk is he's going to go back to Germany. Um, Oxley chamberlains contract's up at the end of the season. So there's two midfielders at least that need to be replacing. Curtis Jones, young player, still inconsistent, doesn't get... You know, doesn't get good runs of the team, so you're talking realistically what's going to happen with him. Um, James Milner and Jordan Henderson. It's hard saying that they are dependable at the moment, as much as we love them. You realistically, when you come into games like now, where you've got three games in in the space of like nine days, you can't really be asking that of these players because they're just they're not they're not built for that. So you need more options. So I would anticipate we've got to have at least three midfielders, maybe another defender that comes in. Um, and that'll be that'll be Klopp trying to do his rebuild. Yeah, now it, it looks it looks like it at the minute. It, when I watched it, I think it looks like it needs a, a refresh for, for sure. But yeah. but Jamie, <laughs> on, on Palace, that's uh, Palace are now winless in the last eight. Um, yeah. I'm going to say this a lot tonight. Um, for me, they struggle for goals. Uh, there's when I without Zaha as well, I kind of look and think yeah. who's getting their goal. Um, so, yeah, what, what's, are they, are they in serious, you know, could they go down, Palace? I, no, I, th- I think they're too good to go down. And what I mean is defensively, they're, they're better than some of the other teams. Um, you know, as much as they are struggling for goals, they've got good defenders. I, I quite like the boy Anderson at back, uh, the centre-back. He, and I, I quite like, like the other, like Gu, uh, Gooey. Um they, they, they seem to be pretty decent. The keeper's pretty decent as well, Mark Guaita. Um, he's pretty consistent. Um, as, it's, as you said, no Zaha, no goals. Um, I'm surprised because um, Edward normally does really well with them and when he gets a run of games, but he's on the bench quite a lot. And it's the other boy, Mateta, um, who starts. Mateta had a golden chance at the weekend um, and completely spooned it. I don't get how they still play people like Jordan Ayew. Oh, Andre Ayew, sorry. Um, but for some reason, he, he still gets a game there. I don't know whether it's options. But their best player um, was uh, Elise. Um, that lad was top notch. He was he was he was penetrating. He he didn't shy away. He drove them up the pitch. I quite like him. Elise and the other boy, there's got Eze. Um, mm-hmm. He comes off the bench quite a lot for them. But the two of them are probably their biggest sparks. Um, I think they're too good to go down. Um, I just think they need to start getting a couple of goals to to kind of change the fortunes around. 
but uh, I quite like the manager as well. Patrick Vieira seems to be decent. He seems, you know, knows what he wants to do and and the style he wants to do it. I think I absolutely agree on on the players you sort of picked out there. Um, the two centre halves, um, are two centre halves, I think that could play for a lot of teams in the Premier League. Um, Mark Gui, I think his name. Yeah. He uh, again, I sort of watched Chelsea and and the problems that they've got at the back, uh, at the back, and, and they let him go. Uh, they they let him go. So. Uh, it sort of sums up Chelsea, but but you, you're right to point out Alise. He's someone that I think will end up going to a, a top six team uh, in a couple of years. I think he's, he's again he's got that kind of arrogance about him and that. Yeah. Um. But, but I think he, he he's he's a player. He's definitely. A player. He, he he reminds me of uh, a Rebo a lot. Yeah. He's that type of player. Long legged, got a great stride on him. Hits loves to hit a ball. And and gets for the looks for the link up, he's very very Joe Rebo in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, there was, I actually the other day I, I was watching him and I thought it was when he was running. I thought it was a Rebo for, for, for <laughs> wrong a, team. yeah, wrong, completely uh, wrong team. Um, but yeah, but Palace staying up. Yeah, they'll definitely stay up. But um, you're right in saying they they need goals um, and quickly. Um, Moving it on then to Bournemouth uh, at home uh, to Man City, which was the, the half-five kickoff. They uh, Man City went to town in the first half and, and were three 0 up after I think thirty-six minutes. I think they were they were cruising. Um, City have now won all twelve games against Bournemouth, um, probably as ruthless as I've seen City um, because I, again I, I don't think they were great. I know that's mad mm-hmm. they're up in yeah. the half in the Premier League, but there's still something not quite right about them. But they were just ruthless at the week, at the weekend, and uh, yeah, Haaland does what Haaland does, and, and Foden Foden looked sharp as well. Yeah, I think you know Pep made a lot of changes again going into that game, but I think when you're playing teams like Bournemouth, you always look to try and do your rotation. So there was, you know. Nobody expected Bournemouth to really get anything from the game. Um, however, it was always going to be about whether, you know, you go back the week before, nobody would expect Nottingham Forest to get anything out of the game. But if you if you go back and what everybody was saying was actually that Haaland missed quite a lot. If Haaland would have put away his chances, then they would never have drew that game. This was never going to be about Bournemouth beating Man City. This was always going to be about whether Haaland and Foden were going to click. And, and as you said, within two minutes, they were they were putting it on the ball and, and tap-ins and stuff. Um, they looked um, fluent. The one thing I was surprised at is actually that he left Maras on the bench because I think Maras has been arguably their best player um, since the World Cup. I thought he would have went with Foden on the left, Haaland up the top and Maras on the right because um, they like to do the cut-ins, but he opted to do it the other way and went Jack Grealish and Foden. Um, and, yeah, they were just ruthless. There was uh, no let-up. Um and, and the, as you said, the moment it goes to 2-0, you're thinking, well, this is going to end up threes or fours. And, and it did. There was no surprises there. The only pressure was to make sure that they got the three points because Arsenal had won earlier in the day, really. Yeah. No, they, they needed to, they needed, you know, like, they got <clears throat> more points and Arsenal pull away again. I just, yeah. I know I said that. I just, I'm just waiting for City to, 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 to yeah, just, kick in. Yeah. And I just think you're, you're right that they're making so many changes. I couldn't, you know, everyone plays the, the fantasy, fantasy, Premier League yeah. fantasy. Pep roulette, we call it. Yeah. It's, it's nuts because, I mean, I think I've got Haaland and that's it from Man City because who else would you, could you honestly say, oh, you're playing this yeah. week? He changes exactly. it so, so, so much. Um, so I think not finding that, that best, his best 11 and going with it. Is a big, big problem for him at the moment. Yeah, and, and and what's crazy as well, it's not like he doesn't have 
you know, you go back two years ago and you could you could name their team every single week. Right. 99% of those players are still there. With the, with the exception of Concello and Aguero, all those players are pretty much still... And Bernardo Silva, sorry. Uh, Bernardo, uh, sorry, David Silva. Everybody else is still there. Like, there's not been that much of a change. It's been... It's, I don't know whether he's just trying to blood more people then or whether he's trying a new process, uh, you know, because he's not used to having such a high number nine out, you know, because they're not, they're, they're, let's face it, City are not renowned for their crosses into the box, you know, attacking the last band or attacking the post on the on the, with the head. The, the, that's not City, but they're having to do that because they've got like a nine-foot bloody Norwegian fucking Viking and, and, and uh, you know, yeah, jumping yeah. at them. So I don't know whether it's I don't know whether he's just still finding his feet or whether he's actually trying to do something fundamental with the team. It's an interesting one because uh, you, you said it about it earlier, and um, people saying that Haaland should start on the bench, and um, <laughs> it is it, a crazy one because look, Haaland twenty-seven goals, as you said, it could end up on forty quite easily. Um, but as a team, as an actual team, Man City don't look the same as they did last no. season without a striker. I mean, when you've got Bernardo Silva hitting the numbers he hit, Gundogan hitting the numbers he hit, Foden was incredible. Um, Cancelo was banging them in. Um, just all-rounded team. They had goals coming from everywhere, where now it is very much Haaland, you know, and and, and, and maybe one other sort of chipping in. So from, th- from that instance, I think it's been a big change to the system for Pep, I think, the last couple of years. Because how, how, many, how many times have we said, you know, I, I have anyway. Man City have pissed it without a without a striker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that was the thing because if you when you look at the when you look at previous seasons, all three of their front players were getting goals, whether it was Sterling, Mares, Jesus, you know, chipping in, um, whether it was David Silva. Right now, with the, the focus is always on Haaland. Is Haaland going to get in behind? Is Haaland going to get up in the air? <clears throat> is he going to make these runs? You've got Jack Realish, who loves to get fouled, in my opinion. So he holds the ball naturally more than what you would anticipate him for. But his number, his stats are through the roof. So I, I don't want to kind of give him shit for that because he, he's got really good stats for a reason. But what, what I mean is that's totally different to what Sterling would have done on that wing last season. Sterling would have been getting into the box, trying to get at the back post. We, we joked earlier about the FIFA sweaty goal. I was Sterling all day long. You know, two players running into the keeper and they press it to the side and sail and taps it in. Those kind of goals don't go in right now. You look at the weekend against Bournemouth, Foden takes a shot, it rattles the ball. It's just that Haaland's actually stood two yards from the line and actually take cushions it down and smashes it in. The fact that Foden even's trying that on his right foot when he naturally plays on the left wing coming in, you think, what, what is his game? Is he is he trying to get a shot on goal, or is he actually members going to the bar, the byline and bringing it back for somebody? So so there is differences going along um, along their back line. Not to mention the left back and the right back. <clears throat> they pretty much don't play with the left back and right back these days. What the left back or right back do is it's very much what Trent does at Liverpool. He tucks into the midfield. He comes forward, tucks into the midfield, lets Rodri go forward. So Rico Lewis, for example, played majority of that game in midfield. Anytime they got the ball, he would then march back to his position and they would fill out again. So again, they're trying something different. Concello would do that last season. He would actually get in the box. Yeah. So yeah, there is a lot going on. I wouldn't be surprised though if they go out and spend a lot of money because there's a lot of rumblings about people like your Bernardo Silvers, whether they're going to be staying, whether it's their time to move on. And I think City are ruthless enough to not actually give a shit about value 
or and then they'll they'll go, you know, if we can get 20 a month for this player, let's take it and go and reinvest it. I think there's a big rebuild coming out there as yeah. well. Every every club now football the way it is, three or four years with the same players is too long. It yeah. needs refresh. It needs refresh. And as you said, Bernardo Silva is the, the, the perfect one for me because I think he's a top top player. But I just think he needs to move, and I think Man City need probably to to get fresh faces in as well. So it sort of works um, both ways. But 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 on Bournemouth, um, they're gone, aren't they? I mean, they 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 won't play up. Um, yeah, they, I, I would have picked them at the beginning of the season. I would have picked them at the halfway season, and I would pick them now. They do traditionally probably get goals. You know, they've got a, they've got a good strike up front. Solanke, I've got a lot of time for him. Um, they, they, I think we joked a couple of weeks ago that they went and spent fifty million in the Christmas window, like madness. So they're obviously trying, but they don't keep the clean sheets. Like we were talking about, I think we talked about West Ham last week. Like West Ham was struggling for goals, but they're keeping clean sheets. Palace. They, they don't necessarily let got a lot of goals in, but they also don't score. Bournemouth have a problem both sides. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the biggest challenge that they've got. I think I think that was right. Obviously, I still can't get over a club like Bournemouth who's spending 50 million in one window. <laughs> um, I, honestly, yeah, it's, it's, it's mental. But um, I can understand they spent it on the forward players, but yeah. sort of at their midfield and their midfield. I feel like their midfield's been the same in the Premier League three four years ago as in the Premier League. Billing, Billing, <laughs> and, and, yeah. Like, yeah. and I'm just like um Lewis Cook. I'm just like uh, Cook, yeah. where's where's the freshen up in the midfield? Because that is a for me that's a top end, very good championship midfield. Um but probably not good and well I don't think good enough for, for the Premier League and staying in the Premier League. But um you, you're absolutely right to point out the the the, the teams around them. Uh, like you said, even even Everton, I think they've probably got better centre halves um yeah. and, and, and are more possible to get clean sheets than, than Bournemouth are. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the sad fact with Bournemouth. But Bournemouth know that though. It's, it's that's probably a big difference. Bournemouth know that. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they, they know that they, they know where they sit when it comes to the Premier League table. Um, before they come into it. Um, they, they build their structure about, obviously, how those finances get them in and out. The yo-yo effect, if you like, they build it around that. Yeah. I think oh, anything, right. anything outside of that is a bonus for them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're a League, league One, league, league, they're a league one club. If, if we're being sort of brutally honest, that have just mm-hmm. punched above their weight for, for way too long and now can sort of... They, they could do that every other year. And I, I do think that a lot of their supporters would say, well... That's that's where where we're at. Yeah. So, so um, de- definitely. But um, on to to another big game uh, this weekend. Uh, Leeds against Southampton. Um, feels like the last few weeks on the pod. Um, there's been a managerial uh, new manager coming in. So a new manager is going to be sacked. Um, <laughs> the way the way it sort of works. But um, re- would you really before we go into the game? Yavi uh, Gra- Gracia, is it? Um, yes. Ex-Watford um, manager, uh, getting the lead job. Now, I know, I think their first choice, second choice and third choice <laughs> get them because of where they're at. Um, so they need to get someone in. Um, but I was still surprised to see him sort of, you know. Um, I'm, I'm probably not surprised that they've brought in Javi Gracia. I think, you know, the way Watford was set up is that they were used to having a different manager every season or two different managers every season. We probably just didn't see enough of Harry Garcia. Um, however, what we did see, it was pretty adventurous. You know, if you think back to the Watford team that he had, you know, they were pretty adventurous. They were scoring goals. Um, their problem was that they just couldn't keep clean sheets. Um, so 
I actually think it's a good appointment for them. Um, I think even even the press conference he's given, he's he's been very very positive about the stature of the club and what he sees that club doing. Um, and he's talking about um, the opportunities in the FA Cup tonight, for example. Like he's not come in and went, we're coming into shop shop and we're going to get back on track. He's not. He's actually coming and going, no no, we're going to do things here. We're going to. So um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. There is what the, the one element of doubt I have is that I think he signed this rolling contract. Like, yeah. so when it comes to the end of the season, a manager right now, normally, once they've got the team settled or the sorted, then I'm talking to the owners about what they need in the summer, you know, who to bring in. Can he do that? Can he not do that? Does he, you know, does he have the ability to do that? Those are the kind of questions I probably have more about the appointments. See if they come in and said he's signed for a two-year deal, regardless of what's going on. Then you go right, okay, that's probably a really good appointment, you know, because if they do drop down to the championship, then actually he's a good. He's done well in championship before. That's the uncertainty that you have with it. Is that well, he might he might get them up and at it, but even the players must be going well. What happens? Do, do, are they going to bring somebody different in six months' time? It's a big gamble either yeah. way. We're looking at it at both sides. So Leeds need to, though, don't they? Yeah, that's it. If, if you're if you're Leeds and you're going, you know, they went for their first and second choice and they couldn't get them. They go, look, I'll be interested in the summer. Just right now, I'm not having it. Mm-hmm. So then they've got to go to a manager and say, we want you, but for six months. Most <laughs> managers don't take that on. Um, but what it might do, it, obviously for him. If he does really well, it could go both ways. It could go really well, and they could still go. No, we want. To, we want. We was always going to go for this guy, or it yeah. could go really well, and he could get could get the job full time. But um, it, it's such a strange one that. Um, yeah. And it's, it's something that doesn't happen too often either. No, I, I think you know, it's it's not it's not very often that we've had three clubs in a very very similar position all looking for a manager at the same time. So you've got Everton, Southampton and Leeds, all in a relegation dogfight, all looking for a new manager. The usual suspects of the firefighters are no longer available. You know, your Sam Allardyces and, and those kind of guys that would come in and, you know, do a job for you for a couple of months. Those kind of options are no longer an option in the Premier League, in my opinion. So clubs have to do have to be smarter or more ruthless, shall we say. Um It'll be interesting to see what he does. I actually think he'll do all right. I, I, I always thought if Leeds could start scoring goals, then they will be fine. Um, I think it'll be dependent on how all well the teams around them. But it was a massive six point after losing um, last week. Um, massive, massive six pointer for them um, against Southampton, especially considering Southampton beat Chelsea the week before. Um, you know, Southampton would have been going into that game with their tails up, um, and from what I've seen, Leeds pretty much bossed them. Yeah, they, they, they managed to get the goal. It got to the point, though, you watch it, are they going to score or, or not? And <laughs> at the same time, Southampton are obviously both trying to trying to get, get a winner. Um, but but absolutely massive three points for Leeds. say, yeah. when a manager, manager goes in like that, he needs to get a win sort of straight away yeah. down there um, to, to give him confidence. I, I do think Leeds will be OK. I think they have some some good players. I think you're right in saying goals is, is a big, big problem. But it, when you look compare them to Everton, Southampton, Bournemouth, um, and and I, I'll come on to this a little bit later. But I think Forest are going to get dragged into it. I, I think they've got goals leads mm-hmm. in the in the wide areas in midfield that will sort of make up for it. Maybe just enough this season. Yeah, I I, 
I didn't think much of it at the time, but actually you can see that Tyler, the, the, is it the boy Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney, McKinney yeah. in the midfield, they've actually got a good relationship. They, they kind of read each other pretty well. If them two stay fit, they'll control that midfield. They'll control the games for Leeds for, you know, from their point of view, which is, again, that's leadership. That's sometimes a lot of these teams are actually struggling with as well. So no, I, I personally think if, as long as Leeds don't start losing more games, I think they'll be fine. Now, mid- midfield, their midfield's decent. They've got, obviously, Mark yeah. Rothko, he's a good player. Um, Aronson, another American, yeah. um, he's decent. Now, midfield, midfield's probably a, probably a strong point for Leeds. It's just that uh, it's probably centre-half. I think Shipping goals, yeah. And, 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 and striker. But, um, obviously, Southampton, as you said, Jamie, they won and beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge last week. Um, couldn't follow it up this week. Um, that's now 10 defeats in the last 12 in, in the Premier League for Southampton. Obviously, massive result last week, but everyone's beating Chelsea at the minute. So, uh, not, not too much of a, a surprise, but um, I still think they, they'll go as well, to be honest. Yeah. I, I would say Southampton are, are up there as, as, as going down, in my opinion, um, just due to being inconsistent. Um, they're obviously tinkering. You know, they've obviously got a, new, a, a guy that's been sworn in now. He's been given the role. From what I understand is the players are responding really well to him, which is good to see. And you could see that after the Chelsea game, you know, they were kind of shoving him up to the away fans to go and take the plaudits. So um, you can tell that the, the players actually like him, but they just lack a lot of quality, in my opinion. Um, there's, 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 there's some really cool individuals, but these individuals are not winning them games. You know, they're just part of the team that stand out in a poor team at the moment. Um, James Wood-Prowse, I think, could do a job at most Premier League teams. I'm surprised he's been still at the Southampton for so long. Um, if 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 he got injured, for example, you would struggle to see what happens next with Southampton. Who fills in that slot for them? Um, as I said, they've got they've got some great individuals. Um, the boy Lavia has done really well the last couple of weeks, um, but again. He doesn't start every game. Um, you never know who's going to start up top for them either. Um, they've got this new blood that they brought in from Belgium. He's still yet to score, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think Southampton are in, in a lot more trouble than most. Yeah, no, I think recruitment um, is going to... They've got. They've obviously got a few right, but I think they've got a lot wrong over the the, the last couple of years, Southampton. I think it's catching up um, mm-hmm. with them now. By, by sort of Ward-Prowse... Um, I don't think there's many other players that I see going to, you know, the top top six, top yeah. eight. I, think I, quite, I quite like the goalkeeper Bazuna, um, but he's he's again he's a young lad. He's 20 years old, so 20, yeah. um, you know, but he's he's having a great great season. I think he was a Chelsea youngster, wasn't he? Yeah, or, Irish. He's Irish. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure he's national. I just I know they said that they brought him from um, one of the big teams, yeah. um, and he's obviously had an opportunity. So he seems to be doing all right. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, and, and yeah, it was funny you mentioned the, the celebrations at Stamford Bridge last week. I thought there was quite a few digs uh, at Nathan Jones um, in that. So uh, listen, say if they take to the manager, get a few results, it, it can all change. Um, but as I said, just just a couple of minutes ago there, Forest, I still think they'll, they'll get dragged into this. They got beat uh, by West Ham 4-0 at the weekend. Obviously a huge win for West Ham because they're they were in the bottom three, I think, before, before yeah. the weekend, um, which when you think about their achievements under David Moyes and a manager that, that you were just speaking about, all the managers down there, Moyes was the, the third manager this weekend uh, to, to win 250 games in the Premier League. Only Arsene Wenger and uh, 
Alex Ferguson have hit sort of that number. Obviously, he's managed a lot of games, but he's, he's a very good manager, David Moyes. But um, they, they, they beat Forest 4-0. Um, I think they scored the first goal in six, just late 60s, uh, nearly 70th minute. Um, yeah. They, they, um, they, had, they had like a crazy 15 minutes where they just everything started to happen for them. Balls were going in over the top. It was, <coughs> I think, the, excuse me, the second goal. It was like a ricochet off Ings' ankle or something. So it was just like that, that period of just when everything went, you know, they grinded for so long that um, it just started to work. Um, I think even Declan Rice's goal um, took that well. Um, they made the changes and then Antonio came on and, and obviously pipped in the fourth. But up until then, Forrest had pretty done pretty pretty all right. Yeah. Um I think the big difference with Forrest, you're right, Forrest on you, you can't pinpoint every week who's gonna be in line to take their you know to score their goals. But defensively they've been doing all right. Um I actually not very favourable of the defenders that they've got in there, but they all seem to be doing a shift. You know, like your McKenna's and stuff. I'm not necessarily a big fan of them, but well, He's doing a world another way, but they've been doing all right. Kayla Navas is obviously somebody that everybody respects and, and kind of likes. Um, he had an absolute barnstormer the two weeks before, you know, against City, um, and showing his quality. I don't think there was too much he could have done at the weekend. As I said, it was just like that that crazy ten minutes where everything just seemed to go for them. But I think you're right. There are they are in danger when you're relying on Chris Wood as your mate as your number nine. I just think I just think with Forest, obviously they're they're, they're sitting thirteenth at the moment, but yeah. I just think when the games start coming in thick and fast, when the experienced Premier League players start, um, yeah. that they've been there a few years, I think that they start getting the wins. I, I I just think that Forest will get will get dragged into. It. I think that you they was well in the game, by the way. You're, you're absolutely spot on on Saturday, but they lost four 0 very quickly, yeah. and I think that can happen to them. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting, but but Jamie, just on on West Ham. Um, obviously, this is sort of my neck of the woods uh, down here. Everyone uh, around is uh, West Ham mad. There was quite a few grumbles and groans when they signed Danny Ings. Um, Moyes come out and said, I wanted Premier League experience. Um, Villa were desperate to get rid of him. Um, obviously, not to sort of state the obvious, but if Danny Ings is fit, he scores goals. The problem is getting fit every week. What what were the grumbles for? Was it because of the, because of his fitness record? Because I seen that from the outside, and I thought that's actually quite a decent deal for them. Yeah. Because they were they were never going to go out and spend twenty thirty million pound on another player. You know, they they did that at the beginning of the season on on the Scamata. Um. So they were never going to go out and do the same thing again. Um. They had a few injuries in Paqueta, for example, who has been a large portion portion sorry of their attack and play. I've not seen Fanelza as for a while either. Um. So. I thought Danny Ings, as you said, if he's fit, he gets goals. I would, I was surprised that Aston Villa let him go, um, but when he went to when he went to West Ham, um, I thought that was a pretty decent signing. That surprises me if you know if maybe West Ham fans were just thinking aiming a bit higher, wanted somebody a bit more um, FIFA esque, shall we say? I think that's it. I think you spot. That's what it is. It's that um, they've got this kind of. Um, from playing in Europe last season, yeah. they think they can, and they're obviously hal on the time for 50 million. Didn't work out though. Skamaka, yeah. by the way, 50 million, and there's been yeah. big rumbles about him. So you're absolutely spot on. Danny Ings is safe. Moises said it. I wanted someone that knew the Premier League, um, scores goals, you know, when he's available. Um, so as you said, they're not going to go and spend another 50 million in January. No. So it, I, I think it, it, it did make sense to be honest. Yeah, it did, and and he's he's able to play in the Europa League games, isn't he? Which they're still yeah. part of. Conference, the Conference League, yeah. 
Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer. Because, um, I mean, what I mean is, Danny didn't cost the worth for him. What was it, 12 million or something? Yeah, around that mark, yeah, 12, 13 that's, million. That's, yeah. that's pretty decent. As, yeah. as you said, the, the, the only complication is just keeping him fat. Um, <laughs> you know, um, that was his problem when he was at Villa. He couldn't get a run of games out of him. Or, And I would argue that actually Gerard probably played him out of position. Gerard played him out on the left wing and played Watkins up front. Danny Ings is not a link-up man. Danny Ings is the running behind guy. So, you know, everybody lives and learns, but for 12 million, I thought that was a pretty decent deal. Um, 12 million. Chris Wood went for double that to, to Newcastle. And I'm joking. I don't dislike Chris Wood, but I'm using that as an example. Like, that's actually pretty decent money. No, I, I absolutely agree. As I said, I think Saturday proves when the games are tight and yeah. you've got Danny Ings in the box. And as I said, some, some goals do just hit him and go in, but... That is a sign of a, a good striker. Yeah, and I think the funny thing is with West Ham, the West Ham is West Ham's survivability is not based on for me on Danny Ings. It's based on Jared Bowen and Bumrana. Yeah, if the two of them are fit. They create so many chances. They'll get goals from whoever's playing up front. The problem is, is that if you go back two seasons ago, Jared Bowen was probably arguably one of the best players in the league. Yeah. At this moment in time, he's probably having a great every three games. And Ben Ram is probably the same. If the two of them are flying, West Ham are flying. So that's why we've never really had West Ham down as relegation fodder, if you like, because we know those performances can come from them. Um, you know, I feel bad for Michael Antonio because he's not really a striker. He was right back from when I first saw when I first seen him and he's developed. He's going for a bit of a purple patch. I think that was his first goal since October, I think somebody said. Like that's, I mean, that's obviously a long time, and I get that. But who's been scoring them since? Because not many people have been scoring them since, and that's the problem. Yeah, no, Antonio's his career is absolutely uh, nuts. To be honest, he was. Um, yeah, I, I played with him when I was at when I was at Colchester, and he was a right winger on loan from Reading. And if you'd have said to me at the time he's going to go and play, <laughs> score league, 15, 15 goals a season, kind of like yeah, for, for, for West Ham, and, and and I think he. Is he not their top Premier League goal scorer now? I would have said, yeah, right. Uh, honestly, but uh, fair play. He's, he's worked here and he's uh, on his day. I think he's probably getting past his best now. But uh, yeah. a couple of years ago, he, he was he was on, you know. He, he was frightening. Yeah. He was, he was absolutely, but the moment he started running, you just see defenders were absolutely bricking themselves. Yeah. He'd forced them into making mistakes. That was what he was really good at. Not not many of them sort of strifers around either, to be fair. Like, he's, he's tight, but... Um, but yeah, I think that's been the problem at West Ham. They have, they've, they've been trying to get players to sort of replicate what Antonio could give them on his on his good day, and 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 they haven't yeah. been able to do it, even spending the money that, that they've spent. But um, I think the main thing them obviously is just staying up and, and and then looking towards the summer. Yeah, doing a rebuild again themselves. Um, you know, obviously the race thing's been picking up recently. Um, as you said, Antonio's been talked about maybe moving on finally. Um, I think they'll probably lose about four or five players. Um, the, you know, just through natural progression of needing a freshen up, it's just whether or not he's going to get quite what kind of quality he's going to get coming back. And I was really surprised when they got Paqueta. Like I've watched him when he was at Leon, and he's a, he's a good player. He's a Brazilian starter. There's not many of them that you can say go to West Ham, and that's no disrespect to West Ham, but um, Paqueta's a good player, definitely. Yeah, I, I, could, I was really surprised. To be fair, you're talking about the the, the, the main number ten for Brazil at the moment. Yeah, um, going to to West Ham, so that was a cue. Um, just just on their on their rebuild though, I'm going to call one. I reckon James Ward Prowse will be brought in when Declan Rice leaves. 
that's, sure. one I, yeah. that's the one I can see um, happening. Um, but but moving it on, he's, he's, then, he's a moist type player. Yeah, I, I just think that what you don't realise with, with Walpass, obviously we just touched on him, but it's his numbers off the ball. Yeah, uh, I think they're t- I think they're second in the Premier League on 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 the running stats at the moment, which would surprise you about Walpass because all you think about is dead balls and how good he is, you know that. But he works his absolute socks off, and I think Moyes is a midfielder. Um, I think it'd be perfect for, to replace Declan Rice there. But but moving on, Jamie, um, Everton, your favourite team, Everton, um, <laughs> at the weekend, um, big 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 result this one because they they looked like they turned a little a corner. Obviously, you boys would have spoke about the win they had last week, um, which was one of the weirdest goals I see in the Premier League um, this season from from Seamus Coleman, and he does. I think that's only he's only ever scored about three goals in his career, but. Um, you know, they, they, they missed some big chances at the weekend to, to yeah. take the lead. I don't think Villa were in the game, actually, until Ollie Watkins um, scores. And then I think Villa were pretty comfortable after that. And that's now what Watkins has scored um, five, five, in five. Game, five in a row. That's right, yeah. I think, yeah, you're right. Um, Everton come out the traps flying, um, from what I've seen. They, they probably could have had two goals up um, in the first half just from their attacks. They just, they, you know, they weren't that great of a shot or the keeper managed to get hold of it. Um, the moment Aston Villa got that penalty, though, and Watkins put it away, you could just see the head slump. You've seen the whole attitude change a little bit. It started to get a bit messy. Cards were flying in, and you think, right, this is Everton on the stick now. Um, you could see um, Jordan Pickford was absolutely berating all of his defenders after the penalty, and he was going into full Pickford mode. I'm, I'm going to say I was loving it, but at the same time, um, I wasn't I wasn't surprised with that because, you know, we talked about Everton and the need to get the home wins. If they got the home wins, they'll stay up. Um, but they've got some really difficult games to do, first and foremost. Um, and I've I, I, I seen an interesting one that, um, that Daesh is absolutely flabbergasted with Dominic Calvert-Lewin's uh, injury record. And apparently they're getting to the point now where they've actually, they're actually having a look at the type of quarry drives, what kind of a bed he sleeps on, um, what kind of a chair he sits on in the house because he seems to get injuries off after absolutely everything. That tells you that Deitch is obviously trying, is desperate and trying to fix, you know, whatever's going on with Calvert-Lewin because without him, I just don't see them staying up. I really don't. Um, Neil Mope is not the answer. Um, you'd be lucky if Neil Mopey gets you five goals a season, in my opinion. Yeah, so right. if you take Neil Mopey out of the picture, who have you got? You've got the young lad that they've just brought back from Sunderland, Ellis Sims. And, you know, everybody was saying that was a, unlucky for him to be started against Liverpool because he actually got schooled off the park a little bit. So you take him out of the equation and straight away you're going, well, where are the goals coming from again? So that's, that's the, the biggest problem. Where Everton should be better is their defensive record. But if you look at their second goal, Connor Cody has an absolute mare. He had an absolute mare against Liverpool when he should have cleared it and didn't. He had an absolute mare at the weekend and should have cleared it and didn't. There's just the silly mistakes that you would normally put these kind of defenders putting your hat on and saying these guys will be fine. Tarkowski, Cody, those two centre-backs should be... They're pretty decent for a majority of the Premier League teams. Um they just obviously making mistakes. And I think the problem is, is when the head goes down, they just find it hard to get it back up. I think I think you're spot on, but with Everton at the weekend, I think it's a case of you know they've scored six goals in twelve in the Premier League. If you can't go and win the game, 
make sure you don't lose it. And I think that was that was the big one for especially Gaiash. I thought that would be, but as you said, he can't he can't get on the pitch. And, and if he's if he's main centre half, he's making them glaring mistakes. Mm-hmm. Then we big trouble. Yeah, um, you know, and, and they've got they've got good solid midfielders as well that you normally like. I, I'm, I'm I'm actually a big fan of Dakuri. Um When he was at Watford, he was a big marauding uh, central midfielder doesn't really play like that at Everton, so I don't know whether they're asking him to do a different style of job. Um, I quite like the lad, the Belgian lad, Onana. He seems very positive in his, in his, in his approach. But again, he's, he's always the first one you put on for a yellow guard because he's so wild in his tackles. Um, yeah, it, I, I think this will be Everton all the way through the season. They'll win one, they'll lose two, they'll win one, they'll draw two, um, and it'll be just where about the chips lie. I think it'll be more to do with how the other teams focus, uh, how the other teams perform. If Leeds keep picking up points, for example, if, you know, if other teams keep picking up points, I think oh, Everton will find it really, really tough. Yeah, I, I still think they're in they're in trouble. I still think they'll be all right, but I think they're, they're in. They're, they're, yeah, wouldn't be surprised if they went down either. I think they're they're in yeah. that. Category, but but Emery now, um, I see a stat earlier. I think he's won or he's unbeaten in the last thirteen meetings with English managers. So um, <laughs> those that like a little uh, flutter at the weekend, uh, next time you see Emery going up against uh, an English manager, make sure you you whack on uh, him to get a, a result. But um, they needed a win because they had a few obviously bad results and, and big scoreline. Yeah. So uh, big result for them. Yeah, that's mad when you think when you said it earlier. Watkins has scored for the fifth game in a row. Yeah. They were desperate to get those three points. So that tells you they're not having too great of a performances as well. Um, but yeah, the big difference for them is you can see goals. You know, um Buendia, for example, he scored at the weekend. He he seems to be a good positive influence when he comes on the pitch. You've got Liam Bailey on the other side, um, that looks and creating stuff. I, th- I think they'll be absolutely fine. I don't there's any danger of them. Um, I think any team that has a Mings, Tyrone Mings at centre-back is always in danger. But um, I think Aston Villa overall will be fine. John McGinn, for example, had an absolute barnstormer on Saturday. Um, that was probably his first good, good game in about two years. Um, he's quite pivotal how they play. If he's up and at it and very positive in his play, Villa seem to do the same thing. Um, but Villa do progress from the midfield into the attack. And... Um, I think I think they'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. Took, took the words out my, out my mouth because I, I was moaning about John McGinn a couple of weeks ago and said uh, he doesn't look like the same same player. But no. he had a, an absolutely, as you said, he had a brilliant game at, at the weekend. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not McGinn's sort of biggest fan, but uh, only when he sort of plays for Scotland and, and now. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, hopefully he can take that for them. But um, to finish off, sort of Premier League, where's Jamie Fulham? The Friday night game, Fulham um, at home against Wolves, and it finished one all. Um, it's now Fulham's second best point total in the Premier League after 25 games, um, and we're going to call him Big Jules because I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name that I have done previously. Um, has taken 14 points from the last nine, which is a massive improvement from the last two managers, I believe. Um, but I don't know if you caught the game Friday. There's not much to be said about it, to be honest. It wasn't uh, a classic. Yeah. Um, I think the the first thing to say is don't ever touch the early game in the Premier League because it fucks your coupon, and it completely did. I put out Fulham on. I thought Fulham Friday night game, I think they'll they'll win 1-0 or something, um, and I'd bust the coupon. I had to go back with my tail between my legs and start again. Um 
I think Wolves surprised me. I didn't expect them to get anything from it, um, just because they're not notoriously great travellers and Fulham have been doing really well. I think what I would like to say, though, is that I kind of made me eat my words a little bit because there was a few weeks ago, um, I think you asked the question about how important was Mitrovic. And I said, without Mitrovic, I see them struggling. I think he's they've done perfectly fine without him the last four weeks or so. Um, and I think they've done really, really good. Um, the boy Solomon's come on um, the last two games and, and scored two goals. Um, so big props to him. Um, but they seem to be getting goals from all over the park at the moment, whether it's Polina, William, Solomon, they've got goals. Um, Fulham have been doing absolutely top notch. Um, very, very surprised at how well they're doing. Um, but again, their defence as well has, has, has been doing great. Um, you know, they've not done nothing crazy with it in terms of like brought in drastic changes. They've been spending three million on on Tete, um, who's who's been brilliant for them this season. Um, Wolves are very much Wolves, you know. Um, that was Sarabia's first goal since he joined them. Um, good time for him to get a goal, but the fact that it was a midfield and still and not one of the strikers. Jimenez started the game. Tells you where Wolves are. They're still struggling to get goals. Um, I'm hoping they struggle this week, uh, tomorrow night because uh, they play Liverpool tomorrow night um, at Anfield. So I'm hoping for a three points. But um, after they pumped us 3-0 a few weeks ago, um, I'll take anything right now. I'll just take a solid three points. Thank you. Um, but yeah, Jimenez started the game. Looks an f- absolute shadow of the player that we all started to watch a few seasons ago before his head injury. I mean, it's a shame to say because he's, you know, he looked an absolute bowler, you know, when he was scoring those kind of goals. But it's hard to see the link-up play. It's hard to see um, how defined their attacking was. Wolves' best player on the Friday game was arguably the right-back, Bueno. Um, who's a 21-year-old right-back, and he didn't exactly get forward or anything. He was just very solid at at nullifying what was coming in front of him. Um, But yeah, you don't know what you're going to get from a Wolves, but I think they're too good to be going down. I think the defence is too good to go down um, or to get sucked into that battle. I think the difference will be now is how long Fulham can continue what they're doing. Um, that'll That'll be a big statement for them. But they've been brilliant this season. Very, very surprised. They've, they've recruited really well. We, we we touched on it a couple of weeks yeah. ago, but Solomon's another one that um, I think he couldn't play for a little while for work permit or yeah, like that. But, but the money he's, champ- he's, he's Champions League quality. Mate, he's he's, yeah. yeah, yeah, I've seen him a few times in the Champions League do really well for Shakhtar. Um, I was surprised because they tried to get him. I think at the beginning of the season, however, the work permit fell through and they had to buy him in January, and there were still problems with the work permit. But they managed to get it across the line now. And it'll 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 be one that I think again will go it'll go to another Premier League club uh, uh, it, the top top six we say we, I know they're in it uh, sort of at the moment but uh, <laughs> a traditional sort of top six team and and just to sort of go back on Wolves uh, Craig Dawson I don't think we've we've touched on that is a brilliant signing for Wolves by the way scored in his debut for them like yeah. it's all about West Ham looking for goals and Craig Dawson scores yeah. in his debut for Wolves he, he's, <laughs> against so good in both boxes though he's so yeah. good in both boxes um, yeah. And uh, I think on a on a, I think they, they hardly paid any money for him, but uh, solid. Yeah, it was solid like three million or something, wasn't it? Because yeah. West Ham brought in the Moroccan lad Aguad. Yeah. So uh, they were always going to shift somebody on. Um, I think Fulham. I've got the other West Ham boys at Diop. Diop. Yeah, he's a, he's right. a 
Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. They, 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 you know, they've got some great qualities. I think Wolves will be. I'm. I'm very interested to see them next next season because of the the big striker they've got that's injured at the moment. Is it Salakadits? Yeah. I think his name is. Um, he's he's a big big prospect, and the fact they actually got him was a surprise on its own. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um how 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 they get on with that. Cruciate, cruciate, only a few weeks. Yeah. It, it was his debut, done his debut, didn't he? Yeah, that's so it sounds like certain Rangers player would do, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, hopefully, we, we see him see him soon. And, and Jamie, sort of just to finish up, we will sort of touch on it. Um, the first trophy of the seasons ended up going to, to Man United. Um, I just want to just quickly two things for me on it, I would say. What a sort of nine months for, for Ten Hag, considering where Man United were when he first came in, um, to, to go and win that. I actually see they was in training as normal Monday morning. They couldn't celebrate it. I think that goes to show what kind of manager he, he is. Um, but I also want to add to that, obviously, New Cup first, you know, uh, final for Newcastle since Man United beat them in the FA Cup uh, in, was it 99, I think, 2000? Um, but I think we will start seeing Newcastle. Uh, in more finals and uh, and getting further in tournaments than than we ever have. Yeah, I you know we'll come back to Ten Hag. I think the, the interesting thing about Newcastle, everybody knows, everybody can see the trajectory that Newcastle are on. You put anybody at the beginning of the season, see the who came in, and they would have sat down and went right. Here's our five year plan. They're probably a year ahead of where they anticipated they would be right now. You know, they are fifth, I think it is at the moment. They've just slipped out the top four. They're fifth and they got to a cup final. This season would have always been about Eddie, you know, get us, don't get into a relegation fight, finish as mid-table. Next season, we'll do a cup run. The season after that, we'll push for getting to European slot. So, in my opinion, they're a season ahead of where they where they need to be or where they would have anticipated. But I think that's partially down to people stepping up. I can't remember Joel Linton playing as good as he ever has. And the way he's so crucial to how that midfield works. Bruno Gomez is an absolute quality little player. Um, I'm a big fan of Alan St. Maximum. He's like Michael Antonio. People fear when he runs at him. Like he's one of those kind of players. Um, and I think when you've got options like that in your team, anything can happen. Um, the Nick Pope thing for me, though, Nick put the nail on the head. The fact Pope wasn't going to play, he's such an actual stalwart of how that team play. The moment they were going to piss about with him to get in a different keeper, he kind of knew who was going to win that final. I don't care what anybody says. Everybody, Nobody went in there and went, I think Newcastle are going to win this today. Not in my opinion. Um, so, you know, it was always going to be about Newcastle soaking up that atmosphere, understanding what a final looks like, and then moving on from that. Um, so... Props to them. They did well. They turned up. They give it a go. It wasn't theirs on the day, um, but they are definitely on a trajectory that anybody would want at this moment in time. Um, the the Man United one, um, I think what Ten Hag has done, I'm not going to say it's miraculous. I'm not buying into that yet. I'm, what I'm going to say is it looks they've got an identification about them. You can see their identity. You can see how they want to play. Um, and and Veghorst is a perfect example of that. You know, he's not a star. He heads the ball, he makes the run, he comes deep, and he plays it off to people and tries to create space. Man United haven't had a striker that does that for a long time. The, you know, the, the striker's been the, the, the star, if you like, the, 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 the golden boy, and everything goes through them. Um, I think what he's got out of people like Ericsson, 
I think has been brilliant because Ericsson, by all rights, should be seeing out his career now. You know, after he went to that stint at Brentford, <clears throat> well, came back from obviously the heart issue, um, went to Brentford, played really good, and you just thought he was going to be a bit player for Man U, but he pretty much started every game. Yeah. You know, him and Casemiro have been outstanding this season. And I want to say that because Casemiro actually has. And you can see that when he plays good, I actually didn't think he was that much of a goal threat until he put on a range, a Man U shot, sorry. You actually see how much of a goal threat he is. Even Fred's getting another goals, which is kind of unheard of as well. That I'll give him props for. Where I'm going to be controversial, how much money has he spent? He's got a 90 million player on the wing that scored four goals, I think. Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no. Um, it's not the poor me syndrome, but Darwin <laughs> Nunes was getting absolute pelters for scoring nine goals in 11 games. Oh, you know, and there seems to be a different comparison. Like, there seems to be an acceptance because Ten Hag's building something that that these players shouldn't be, you know, playing as good as they, they should be or whatever. Um, he spent a fair bit of fortune on, on, on this on this rebuild. I think somebody turned around, I think somebody said it was like 260 million or 240 oh, yeah. million they spent. Um, and Lissandra Martinez, Casemiro, Anthony, like, fucking hell, I'm, Jurgen Klopp's got to beg and borrow for 300 million for a full rebuild after a five year. And I'm, I, I shouldn't be using Liverpool as the, as the benchmark. I'm just trying to say that, you know. That's a fair point. It's a fair point. You, yeah. That's you forgot. You can see the ethos. You can see what he's trying to get out of them. I'm really impressed with the fact he's had the balls to drop people like Maguire, Bictomini, and he's changing it about it. I mean, Luke Shaw playing centre back, I would never have put that. I don't think he's that great at it, but he still does it. He still gets yeah. him to do it. So he's obviously got an ethos. And as you said, the, the reports of him going into getting them back in the next day, like nothing's happened. I love that. I, 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 I personally like that. The discipline, the straightforward, because man, you have lost the way a lot with that. Um, I think it's still early days. You know, I, I, I seen, I seen some tweets of uh, this is man, you um, on for the, on for the treble. Like, um, what? like what? Yeah. Ex- yeah, exactly. You know, I remember Mourinho winning the league cup. Remember Mourinho winning the UEFA Cup? They weren't shouting at them, were they? You no. know, and it's 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 they've obviously got something new going on with Ten Hag, and I think everybody can identify it. Take Rashford out of that though. Where would Manu be? Because I would put Rashford has got better numbers than what Haaland has in the last ten games. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of that run, and he's not just doing it in the league. He's doing it in the fucking Europa League. He's done yeah. it against Barcelona the other week. Yeah. Rashford is on absolute fire, and I think you know. If you take a snippet of them out of that team, <clears throat> how dependable, how how would they have got through those games? Um, they don't have a plan B, for example. It's going to happen, though. Towards the end, front, Rashford isn't going to, his run's going to stop soon. Yeah. Um, well, they, they panicked on the, the last Premier League game, didn't they, when he hobbled off after 87 minutes? They were mm-hmm. like, oh, he might not be able to play. And they were going, well, actually, that probably evens it up because Pope can't play. And you think, well, that's a good shout. The moment you see them was on the team sheet, and you're like, here we go. I think yeah. I think every bookie was doing the shot on target or the goal, you know, yeah. uh, for Rashford. Yeah. No, it is. It is. It's just, I think I think you're absolutely spot on to bring the, because that, that's something you don't ever read really about Man United this season and how well Ten Hag's done is he has mm-hmm. thrown a lot of money at it. Um, but I think he's got his recruitment. Yeah. Right. So I think you're spot on to bring up Anthony because at the time I thought that was a lot of money for someone that watching him a couple of times for Ajax, I wasn't 
like wow you need to go and pay 90 million for him but yeah. um but you're always going to get one that doesn't sort of hit the ground running straight away and the others have so oh i think i think i wouldn't say he's not hit the floor running i think he looks like a typical foreigners came to the premier league you know, he's taking his time, settling in. He's wildly hitting shots from everywhere. He's probably not finding his players at the right time. It just comes with a massive price tag. But you put that in the context of, you know, where everybody else is playing, um, you know, like Rashford, for example, and, and stuff. Like, I would even argue, say, that the, the boy Garaccio should be a starter for me. Like, the lad's so positive and he's running. He's so dynamic. Um, I would argue that you probably get a bit more out of him than you do Anthony. At this yeah. moment in time, uh, the games I've seen recently, I would I'd go with that as well. Absolutely, dodgy haircut, right enough. That, <laughs> I had yeah. no idea what the fuck that was, but <laughs> it's like it lost a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So that, that's all the games, Jamie. This week, we as always, we will finish on a little, um, a little question. Uh, this one was from yourself. So, um, who has been the best? free signing in Premier League history. Um, who for Jamie? Who, who's your pick, Jamie? I think my pick would be, you know, I'm going to be so biased with my pick. Um, I think there's been so many good ones down the years. Um, but I think the fact he's still playing now kind of resonates of how well of a drill player is, and that's James Milner. Now, he's not the most pleasing player to watch. He's not the most exciting player to watch. But what he brings to a game um, and his tenacity and his, his you know, his, his forward play. Um, sorry, not his forward play, but his, his, um, his pressure that he brings and his tackling. He's an absolute leader. Um, James Milner has been a journeyman through, you know, I think he started his debut when he was just under 17 years old, I think he was, for Leeds United. Um, he had a great career at Leeds. He had a great career um, everywhere he's went. But he left Man City as a Premier League winner. He won the league at Man City. And Klopp approached James Milner and we picked him up on a free. Since he's went to Liverpool, he's played left back, right back, centre back, central midfield and, and left midfield. He takes He's the number one penalty taker when he's on the pitch. So Salah's the number two penalty taker, but obviously Salah gets more minutes than Milner. Milner's won literally every trophy that Klopp has won in his time at Anfield. To bring that level <clears throat> of winning mentality to a team, I think goes massively unnoticed. Even even with Liverpool fans, because he's not he's not the big standout name. I'd be surprised how many people are getting Milner at the back of the top every season. But everybody knows what they're going to get from a Milner. Um, he's won the Premier League at Liverpool and Man City. He's won the Champions League at Liverpool, League Cup, FA Cup, club, world champions, if you like. He's won absolutely everything at Liverpool. And he's still going today. But I think the, the interviews I've heard from people around him, like Yandy Robertson's, um, all season players that have all played with him, they don't talk about Robbo's tackling or they talk about what kind of person he is. He's an absolute perfectionist of a trainer. Um, he never lets his body go. He, there's, there's, I remember Peter, Peter Crouch talked about one and he said that they used to do the bleat test at the beginning of the season. And he says, it's always in a hot water, it's hot weather camp. He says, you've had four weeks off. You've been in Ibiza for three weeks. You've come back. You're feeling a bit lethargic. James Milner rips his top off and he's ripped. 
absolutely ripped and he's already done bleep tests every day of the week leading up to this trading method because he just doesn't let his level of standard drop. He's an absolute professional from start to finish. Um, and and he does so much work with the under-21s and the under-19s at Liverpool. I'm a big fan of him, and I hope I hope the rumours are true that he's going to sign a year's extension um, and a year's coaching course, uh, a coaching contract with Liverpool, because I think he offers so much um, to the team, to the club. And I think that's a perfect example of somebody that you want to see, not just coming in and scoring goals, but somebody coming in and making a difference, meaning something to the team, to the club. The fact he's won everything just tops it off for me. And I think I think it'll be hard to match those kind of accolades with somebody coming in on a free. I think you could turn around and say somebody come in and saved a season, you know, got them promoted or got them relegated or sorry, or won a trophy. It'd be fine. It's hard to find people have come got one more than James Milner on a free. I think I think you're you're absolutely spot on in terms of looking at the question and going the best signing for what he's given to the club in terms of, as you've just said there, winning what he's won, but that experience of winning that that, that, that helped obviously Klopp at the time and and everyone around him. It's hard to argue anything against that. Um, but as always, I'll throw a, a couple in there that I've got uh, written down. Um, did, 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 did you write Lawson? Definitely not. Um, <laughs> definitely not. Um, so, Sol Campbell to Arsenal. Obviously, it was yeah. a controversy around it um, more than anything. But don't get me wrong, Sol Campbell, when he did go to Arsenal, um, you know, went the league unbeaten uh, as an mm-hmm. invincible. He was you know, a huge, huge uh, player for Arsenal over the years. Um, and he was a... He was a top centre half. I don't sort of agree with his punditry now. I think he's absolutely clueless. But um, as a player, he was he, he was top notch. And another one I've just thrown thrown in as a, as a curveball was uh, JJ Kocha to, to Bolton. Oh, because, uh, what a player! Yeah, he was a joy to watch, wasn't he? Um, he he. But he's he's the YouTube player. See if yeah. I said to my son, my son's 13, my son wears football tops, but he doesn't actually like watching football games. He's a weirdo. But my <laughs> daughter's, she's 18 and she's, she's pure Liverpool through and through. I've made her sit down and watch all the Liverpool DVDs, the old CDs, everything that I've got, just to embed that in her. But if I ever said to Jackson, like, go and look at these, it would be people like, remember Lee Trundle? The, yeah. the, the skill set of Lee Trundle, the, the tricks that of JJ Okocha, those kind of things, like those are what kids want to see. These, excuse me, these days you don't see that much. The, the Berbatovs, you know, on the byline, um, some of these those techniques were outrageous. JJ Okocha stood out though because, I, am I right in thinking? Did he come from Bayern Munich? He did. He did. He did. Like, yeah. Those, uh, kind of, those kind of signings going from there to Bolton just didn't. They, they just didn't make sense. I think he was at PSG as well, was he not? JJ Kocha. Possibly. I'm sure he was, he was I'm sure he played against us in 2000, 2001, 2002 uh, for PSG. Um, they had a good side. I'm sure Okocha was playing for him then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just had to put him in because he was, you know, for, for Bolton at the time, he was yeah. one that you just picked out. He was, he was brilliant to watch at times. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's the thing. You, you, you kind of forget about the freebies because. You don't attach a transfer a transfer fee with them, you know. You, you remember, oh, we paid fifty million for this player, and 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 we got this out of him and stuff. But the freebies are the one that tend to go unnoticed. I'll even throw um, another one. Like Joel Matip um, came from Schalke um, on a freebie. Was it just retired from international football? He's pretty much won everything at Liverpool as well. He's probably not there, not the same as Milner for me in terms of like what he brings to the team. But again, it's it's. 
it's very few and far between you see those kind of accolades coming to people that come on a freebie. Um, I know, obviously, we joked. I think I think Lawson won a cup with Manuel. Did he win the league um, when they I brought think, him in? I'm not sure if he won the league that season, but they they I think they won the FA Cup. Yeah, I think they won a cup, didn't they? Um, so there is obviously a lot of pockets of all these little players that come in and 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 do an absolute job for for people. But I, I would argue all day with anybody that would try and trump what what Milner's brought to Liverpool. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's hard to, to argue with. But, but as always, listeners, um, please get your comments in and let us know who, who you're picking. If you agree or disagree with that one, we'll have a, a new question for you for you next week, as always. But mm-hmm. all that's left, Jamie, is to, to thank you for tonight. Uh, thanks for coming on and really enjoyed that. No, I absolutely loved it, man, as ever. Thank you very much. Um, I know we were obviously going to eat up this morning, but um, I'm, I'm planning on going to the pub and hopefully we're going to celebrate a home win tomorrow. So it was good to kind of get the chat up tonight and get it over and done with. And we'll put the put the cut win from Man United to one side and move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't want to talk about cup football anyway, mate. Don't worry about it. But, um... mugs. Mickey Mouse cups. <laughs> <laughs> we'll... Um... We'll talk about obviously the, the two games that, that are planned tomorrow night on on next week's show. Yeah. Um, as always, but um, yeah, thanks, Jamie, and thanks for listening. Um, catch us next week. Good man. Catch you later. Guys.